Hi everybody and welcome to the Junction Church Podcast. We pray that this message inspires and encourages you. If you would like to find out any more information about us, then please visit our website at www.thejunctionchurch.com. Thank you for listening. And um, what if I were to tell you that everything that you've ever seen that you've disagreed with, anything that you've ever done that you kind of want to regret and everything that you're going to do tomorrow is also in, the, in, the, in, your, in your mind and you think that, you know, I, I've got this coming up tomorrow and I don't quite know how I'm going to handle it. What if I can tell you that all that stuff is covered? All those things you disagree with, the crimes that have ever been committed, the crimes that ever will be committed, have all been covered and paid for. And that's covered by Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ had a sacrifice that was good once and for all. So our future sins, our past sins, everything has been forgiven under his blood. Which is why we celebrate Easter. And sometimes we can get so familiar with hearing the Easter message that it's just like, yeah, I know I'm forgiven. But Psalm 51 and 12 says, restore to me the joy of my salvation. Restore to me the joy of my salvation. And he will uphold us with his generous spirit. Because he, we can't outgive God. We can't outgive God in his generous love, his generous peace, and what he offers us in times where we don't understand. His understanding, his peace, surpasses anything we can ever understand. So, and I was challenged by this this week. It's like, do we only celebrate Easter in the spring? Or do we celebrate Easter every time we wake up? His grace and his mercy is new every morning for me. So every day for me is an Easter service. Which is why we want to make a big deal of it this year. So we're doing a passion series and it's about the, um, the Holy Week or the Passion Week which led up to um, Jesus' crucifixion. And we've got a key um, section of scripture in Hebrews verse 12. Um, I'm reading from the New King James but um, you can read along with whatever version you like but we're going to put it up on the screen as well. So it's here. Therefore we also, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight... The sin which so easily ensnares us. And let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. Who for the joy set before him endured the cross, despising the shame. And has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. For consider him who endured such hostility from sinners against himself. Lest you become weary and discouraged in your souls. And my message this morning is entitled, The Celebration. Because not only is a life of Jesus a life of celebration, but the Easter message, the Easter series, the Easter time is a time of celebration where we celebrate what Jesus has done. We also celebrate the life he lived before and we believe there's something significant about not just what he did on the cross, but the events leading up and to it. And uh, I'm going to focus on um, an account where, which is known as the Passover, which is um, a festival meal that the Jewish, has been in the Jewish calendar since their time in Egypt. And uh, I'm going to go through some brief um, points of history as the message goes on. But I'm going to read from this account in Luke 22, and from verse 14. And now Jesus is having this meal 
with his disciples, with his 12 chosen um, guys that he ruled with for the most of his um, earthly ministry. And these were his, like, um, there's a few that were his strict confidants, but these guys saw, like, everything and heard that, had the inside track of all the things he was teaching. So um, he was wanting to eat this meal with them. And there was also a meal called um, the Feast of Unleavened Bread, which they were kind of done at the same time. But um, this is from, I'm going to read from verse 14. It says, when the hour had come, He had sat down in the twelve apostles with him, and he said to him, With fervent desire, I have desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. For I say to you, I will no longer eat of it until it's fulfilled in the kingdom of God. Then he took the cup and gave thanks and said, Take this and divide it amongst yourselves. For I say to you, I will not drink of the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God comes. And he took the bread and gave thanks and broke it and said to him, saying, This is my body which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Likewise, he took the cup after supper, saying, This is the, the new covenant in my blood which is shed for you. Now, we've heard that quite a bit through... Um, through communion messages and other things, but um, I'm going to do my best to bring in a fresh way for all of us to get on board, though maybe those who haven't grown up in church or maybe those that are new here, maybe we can all just be in the same place together. And that's my intention for um, what I'm going to be sharing. But I don't know about you, but I've been known for reading people. And I don't know if you've, some, some um, I guess, uh, different career paths, you have to do this in different ways, like if you're in the medicine, you kind of have to read if um, a person to see if they're telling you the truth about what's happened to them, and then maybe if you have to do extra digging, and, and maybe if you're in the um, healthcare provision, like um, psychiatry, and you, you, need in, you need proper information so you can actually do your job properly. But, and I've been in many circumstances where I just think it's quite useful to know what's going on under the hood, you know what I mean? Like, what are they, what's going on beneath what they're doing? And I've seen in many circumstances the way people treat other guys. You know, I can tell who's insecure around other guys. I can tell who's insecure around women. I know when, when a girl fancies a guy. And just reading all these certain circumstances has just been a bit amusing to me over the years. And um, I find that there's one thing that, um, that how somebody waits in anticipation reveals something about their character. How somebody waits for something. You know, it's, it's not something that we think about. We know something's coming, but then how are we before, how are we in the time from now till when it's coming? How are we after we study, after we've done all our tests, and then, then we're waiting for that date where the exam results come? How are we into that point? And uh, my brothers are a bit different from me, but they were kind of the same, the fact that they were quite similar in age. And uh, I was reminded of a story quite recently where, um, they, it was Christmas time, and my mum had hidden the Christmas presents from them and told them, you can't get them before the day, and I've locked them securely, so you will not get them until Christmas Day. So then my brother, um, brothers Chris and William, they connived, and they're coming up with a scheme, and they couldn't think of anything. But then one day, Chris had the, the bright idea of getting a kitchen knife and hacking away at the door so we can get a glimpse underneath the gap to see the presents. 
So then, I, I, I was too young to remember this, but then I remember seeing a door that was a bit funny for a while, but I didn't know how it happened. But, um, but the thing that revealed about my brothers is that whatever's in the way between now and your due date, you are absolutely okay to go through it. Whatever it is, whether it's a locked door, whether it's, a, um, whether it's an overdraft, just go for it. That was kind of what their, their ethos was in, when they were young. But when I was about the same age, I was a little bit different. Now, there's a, there was a girl I remember in primary school who I was convinced she was the one for me. Like, I was convinced that she was my Proverbs 31. I mean, there were many excellent women, but she excelled them all, and I was going to get her. And for the purpose of the, um, the message, and, and, and the people are still around, so I'm going to change the name slightly. Um, but yeah, I, I, just, I just totally loved her. She was in my primary school from, from five, and, and then and she's even still around now. And, um, and I just really, I knew that I wanted to be with her. Her name was Christina Aguilera. <laughs> what are you laughing at? This could be true. You don't know. I could be playing a double bluff. But me and Christy, because we're that close, we were, we, I ended up walking her home a lot of the times because, um, because we, were, we were close friends and you know, I was a gentleman. So um, I went to this primary school around uh, Queen's Cross and I lived actually in town, like Ferry Hill that way, 20 minutes that way. But she lived... But that way, so normally my, my, uh, my trips from home to school would go from 20 minutes to a round trip of about 15 minutes just because I was walking her home. And one of these days she comes up to me and she says to me, Charles, I've got something to tell you. And this is the start of the week. And, I, I, and my heart was racing. I was just like, what could this be? I, and I was, I was thinking like, oh, she's definitely, she's going to declare her love for me. This is it. This is the time where we're going to get together. This is it. And I was waiting the whole week. She didn't tell me. And I said, like, okay. I didn't, I didn't want to, you know, I didn't want to force her because I was a gentleman. So I was just going to let this come out when, when she felt she was ready. So then um, after a while, we're walking home and we're about St. Southern Street. And she leans into me and she says, I've got something to tell you. I was like, what is it? So I was like, yes, she can, she, this is, she's going to tell me. And she says to me, I'm going out with Justin Timberlake. <laughs> And my heart just sank. I mean, I was so like upset. I couldn't. I couldn't even. I couldn't even think of an emoji that perfectly covered this. It would be about seven or eight combined that would be in this my emotion this time. But when I when I lean back, you know, I just I just find myself saying, "Wow, that's amazing. That's so cool. I'm so happy for you." And I learned at the age of 10 that you fake it until you make it. And that reveals something about me. How we wait in anticipation reveals something about our character. But in our story, Jesus is anticipation. We celebrate Easter because all the life that he was living, he knew there was a point that he was going to come to where he was going to give his life as a ransom for all. So that anyone who believes in him will not perish but have everlasting life. He knew this time was coming. But what does he do in anticipation? If you read with me in verse 15, he says here, He said to them, Jesus said to his um, disciples, he said, With fervent desire, I've desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. This tells me about Jesus that whatever he was going through, he had an attitude of celebration. He had an attitude that overflowed with joy. Now, I don't know about you, but 
even just from hearing Laura's testimony this morning, shouldn't the life of a believer in Jesus Christ overflow with joy? If we know what's really, what we've really been given access to, what we've really been blessed with, shouldn't our lives overfill with joy? No matter what we go through, we know that victory is in the other side. We know that beyond and underneath the surface of what's going on, we know that God works all things together for the good of those who love him. We know that when we're in Christ, we're a new creation. We know that there's a joy that's for us that, doesn't, that sits outside our circumstances. So, me, so Jesus going to the cross and enduring the pain he did may not have been a happy circumstance, but it was a joyous circumstance. Hebrews 12 and 2 says, For the joy set before him, that was, set, that was set before him, endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down the right hand of the throne of God. Jesus didn't see the cross more than he saw the crown. He saw the glory that was awaiting him. He didn't see the immediate circumstance. He knew he was going through the circumstance and he was going to be elevated. David says in Psalm 23, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. He didn't say I'm walking to. He didn't say I'm going to my death. He said I'm going through my death. And I know because God is with me. It's in my shepherd. It's in Jesus. It's in the one who protects me from everything. It's a shadow of death because when Jesus is in my life, death can't but touch me. It's a shadow because Jesus covers me from the pangs of death. That's what David knew. And that's what Jesus knew. But we're here to talk about the celebration and, and that every, every moment with Jesus is a moment of celebration. God wanted to celebrate with us before he suffered. He fervently desired relationship. Relationship trumps all kinds of suffering. And I'll throw this little sidebar in here that happiness is different from joy. Happiness is based from happening. So the seed of happiness is from circumstance. So it can be a day like this where it's magnificent. I mean, there's no traffic in the way to church. You know, there's nothing that has gone wrong this morning. But you can be cough in traffic when you leave here. Somebody can nudge you. Somebody can spill your coffee. And all of a sudden, your happiness is challenged because of a circumstance. But the seed of happiness is from circumstances. But the seed of joy is from the spirit it's from god working in our lives see when you have a god-given dream you will have joy when you have a god-given mandate when you know that you've been called by god he will see you through then you'll overflow with joy you'll overflow with celebration Life is a journey about going from victory to celebration and having that, I would say the mark of spiritual maturity is how quickly you can return to celebration, no matter what goes on. So we're celebrating the Passover and just to give a little bit of background of where the Passover came from, um, when the Israelites were in Egypt and they were, they were in Egypt after Joseph became the second in command for after Pharaoh and they, then the Israelites um, basically multiplied and filled Egypt to the point where the, the Egyptians were scared of them. They were scared, so they decided to put more restrictions on them. And then they started to put, um, they started to, put to death the, their young boys, and they let the girls live, but the boys were to be killed. And then after this, there's a point where one of the Egyptian women um, 
she saved a, um, a baby in a basket and sent them down the river. And then the Pharaoh's household picked them up. And this baby we now know as Moses. And that's where the name of the basket comes from, by the way. The, the, the baby is put in the basket which floated down the Nile and you have the Moses basket. So I'm not a parent yet, so maybe you guys will know better than me. But, um, but that's where the name comes from. But, um, but Jesus um, was, he was like, a, but Moses was like a type of Christ. In that Moses was then to be raised as a deliverer from the people out of, of the Israelites out of Egypt. He says this to, I don't have it here, but it's in Exodus 3 anyway. But um, God says to um, Moses, he comes before him in a burning bush and says, I have seen the oppression of my people. So I will raise up a deliverer. This was Moses. I will raise up a deliverer to rescue my people. And this is the point where where they're under this, this captivity for, for years and hundreds of years and many generations have gone that only know slavery. But God says, I have seen the oppression of my people. You know, sometimes in life we see something so long, we think, am I alone in this? Does God see what I'm going through? He says, comes before Moses and says, I am God, I am, the, I am your Lord and I will deliver you from this oppression. And, he does, he's, and he's not a God who's blind to things that are going on. He is slow to anger, but he is just. He is full of love. And he does send a deliverer. And that is why we celebrate Easter. And that's why the Jews celebrated Passover. Because there's a point where they needed deliverance. And, and uh, Moses delivered them. So we celebrate our deliverance today. We celebrate our deliverance. And this is what happens in... Um, in Exodus 12, um, so there's an account where after Moses says to the Pharaoh, let my people go, he rejects them by hardness, Pharaoh rejects them by the hardness of heart about nine, ten times. And, and then what happens is that God decides to send plagues. He decides to send plagues and one culminating in the, the plague of death, the one, the one institution that, that the Pharaoh at the time instituted over the children of um, Egypt, I mean Israel. Now he's doing it almost back to them. He, they were, he was killing the firstborn males and now um, God was saying, if you don't do this to my people, if you don't do this to my people, this is what's going to happen to you. So it's almost like a role reversal and, and the hardness of um, of Pharaoh's heart was hardened again, but the, the, Israelite, the house of the Israelites were saved because of this passing over. To give you a bit of background, there's a, in, in Exodus 12, there's a lamb that had to be sacrificed, that had to be um, spotless, had to be spotless, um, had to be male, had to be less than a year old, meticulously examined, and had to be killed publicly, no broken bones, and this blood that was sacrificed was going to save them from the coming judgment of God, the angel of death passing over the land of Egypt. And then it says this in Exodus 12, and I'll read from verse 12. For I will pass through the land of Egypt on that night, and I will strike all the firstborn in the land, both man and beast, against all the gods of Egypt, and and I will execute judgment. I am the Lord. Now the blood shall be a sign for you on the houses where you are. And when I see the blood, I will pass over you, and the plague shall not be on you to destroy you when I strike the land of Egypt. So this day will be to you a memorial, and you shall keep it as a feast to the Lord throughout your generations. You shall keep it as a feast by an everlasting ordinance. 
So that's why the Jews celebrated Passover. And I was thinking about how kind of weird, like, blood is in the sense where it had to be blood that was on their doorposts and lintels. Not lentils, lintels. <laughs> I don't want blood in my lentils. Um, but it covered them. And I was thinking about how the significance of blood. Now, the book of Leviticus says that life is in the blood. Does anyone here remember that series that we did years ago, Life in the Blood? And it's the fact that every living being needs blood to survive. That it it goes from our heart and goes into all our different organs and areas that need healing, areas that need energy. And, And this blood that circulates our whole bodies and keeps us going. Without blood, we can't survive. But this is a symbol that was saving from death. So it's almost like if you elevate the symbol of life above your household, then anything that resembles death passes over you. See, if you elevate life, then anything that's destructive or dead will pass over you. It won't remain on you. It'll just pass over you. Like sometimes Christians in the world are known for what we're against rather than what we're for. But if we're known for being for life, then all the, all the, all the rabble and all, the, um, all the, um, like the preconceptions of culture will just pass over us. It's like when we celebrate life, that's when we know we can handle anything that's dead going over us. It'll just pass us over, it won't remain in us. So in this institution... They celebrated Passover so um, they, when they sacrificed the lamb and um, they were saved from the judgment, the coming judgment, which because um, in the, um, I'll say this really quickly, um, with, with his deliverance from slavery, there's a few things in there. There's the sin, there's also the, um, the servitude that they, they're, they're under, then also the sickness. If you look at the plagues, they all represent that and they culminated in death because the wages of sin is Death. So that's, that's where they came from, and, and they symbolized that. But, but then the, the, the Israelites were saved from this coming death. They were delivered from death. But how many people know that when you're delivered, there's got to be a destination? Yeah. You don't just leave the sender. You have to go to the recipient. Yeah. So the first, the first group... Um, the first reason we celebrate is because we're delivered. But then we also, there's another part of this, which is what Jesus fulfilled. This is the entrance. There's a new entrance. And we enter into a new covenant. It's prophesied in Jeremiah 31. We'll read from 31 in verse th- um, to 34. And it says here, behold, the days are coming. This is the prophet Jeremiah prophesying about what Jesus is going to do. Says the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel, with the house of Judah, covenant with the, sorry, not according to the, the covenant which I made with their fathers. In other words, it's not a covenant based on rituals which they were used to in Egypt. I mean, just after they left Egypt. And In the day that I took them by the hand and led them out of Egypt, my covenant which they broke, though I was a husband to them, says the Lord. But this is a new covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days, says the Lord. I will put my law in their minds and write it in their hearts and they will be, I will be their God and they shall be my people. No more shall every man teach his neighbor and every man teach his brother saying, know the Lord for they shall know me. 
from the least to the greatest of them, says the Lord, for I will forgive their iniquity and remember their sin no more. When I first read that in preparation for this, that just let something alive in me. I will remember their sin no more. Now what that doesn't say is that God has a bad memory. It's the passing over. In other words, God sees something there. But because he sees what Jesus has done, because he sees a symbol of life covering that, he's he's going to pass over it. It doesn't mean that God doesn't know about that because he is omniscient. What it does say is that God has forgiven that. In other words, the wrath of whatever is going on passes over and they're not established by what they do, but they're established by relationship with God. It's a new covenant of relationship. Which is why it's a joyous thing for me and a joyous thing for you because it's not about being, doing rituals or going to Asda and buy yourself a lamb to sacrifice today. It's not about that because God has already provided that sacrifice, that perfect specimen for us to, to accept the atonement and accept the, the um, uh, forgotten the word now, propitiation for our sins. It's a good news because it's not in what I do. It's not on what traditions I keep. It's not about me trying to intellectually ascend, but rather letting his presence descend into my heart and transform my life and in everything. Now, the Passover lamb was, it was something that God was also fulfilling. And in Jesus, he was the Passover lamb. The significance of him dying in the time he did, when the meal was instituted, it was kind of like, the, the, the day worked a bit different. By our calendar, it would be the Thursday, and then the next day he died, but it was actually in the same 24-hour cycle in which he died. So he was the new Passover lamb, and he fulfilled all the requirements that was needed to fulfill this. So he was spotless. He was without sin. His whole life, he was without sin. He was male. He was young when he died. He was meticulously examined by all people that were around him, the Pharisees, the Sadducees, they examined his life to the detail. And they even cross-examined a lot of what he said. He was slain publicly on the cross. He had no broken bones. And his blood was to save us from the coming judgment. Now I'm going to quickly close with this. But in 1 Corinthians 11:26, where Paul is talking about this institution of taking communion and and the Passover. And he's saying, no more. Oh, no, that's not not right. (laughs) I'll read from my notes. Um, Ah, there it is. So for as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. See, it's a celebration because we're waiting for something. One of the buzzwords you hear in church is breakthrough. In other words, we're waiting for something, are we not? We're waiting for something to shift in our hearts. We're waiting for something to shift in our job circumstances, our families. We're waiting in anticipation. But what this verse is saying, it says that as long as you eat this bread and drink this cup, in other words, if you accept what Jesus has done for you, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. In other words, there's a substitution that was paid for everything that we go through. There's a substitution that is on our lives 
that when we have faith in God, when we have faith in Jesus and what he did as being enough, that's when the pains and the pangs of this world pass over us. They don't remain in our hearts because God is in our hearts. The perfect love of God casts out all fear. There's no torment when the love of God fills us because we're filled with the love of Jesus Christ. We celebrate Easter because it's a time where he nailed all those, all those transgressions that have been committed against us and we've committed ourselves and the, the pain that we feel in, 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 in sorrow and mourning and in grief and in guilt. He took all this stuff for us so that when it comes on us, we can have faith in Jesus and there's a cleansing work that happens when we put our faith in him. When we step into what Jesus Christ did for us, there's a perfection, there's an illumination. When we have this illumination we will celebrate we will tell our friends because of the joy that was set before Jesus he endured the cross despising the shame so now he is seated in power and when we're seated with him in heavenly places we will have triumph we will have victory we'll have a glorious future because we've given us a glorious grace it's good news said it before Psalm 51 and 12 says restore to me the joy of my salvation and uphold me by your generous spirit when we're down sometimes all we just need is for God to be generous in his spirit to us just accept what God wants to do in your life and you'll be elevated just turn to me the joy of my salvation once you're saved you're saved once you're in Jesus' house you're in Jesus' house Revelation 3 and 20 says about how if you dine with him he'll dine with you if you open the door to him when he knocks he'll eat with you and you'll eat with him in other words the host changes and I'll quickly stay on this before I finish You see, when you receive Jesus into your life, he begins to have a dwelling place in you. But we're his church. So he stays in us, then also we make an exchange and we are with him. We are now with him as well. Turn to me the joy of my salvation. Because here is why we celebrate in anticipation for his return because when we celebrate we consolidate our contentment celebration consolidates contentment can I tell you if you are feeling down if you're feeling a bit of poor content if you feel that you're just not quite there can I tell you celebrate just celebrate because you'll find something quickly to be celebrated about. doesn't matter if you've got a poor job situation. doesn't matter if you've been poor health. You can celebrate because you're in relationship. You can celebrate that you're alive. You can celebrate that God has actually made his home in you. Can you believe that? A supernatural God makes his home in us. But he knows everything that I've been through. He knows my past. And yet he begins to decide to dwell in me anyway. That's something to celebrate. That God saved me despite me. God loves me despite me. 
God saved me and the sins of the whole world despite me. Despite what I think, despite what I feel, despite what I agree with or understand, He saves me and I am with Him. That is good news. So we celebrate because He is coming again. But until then, there's things that He wants to do in and through our lives. Because salvation is a moment, but when we walk with Him, it's a journey. It's a journey because we've got somewhere to go. While we're on this place, you say, while we're on this planet, he says, every place I will, you set your feet, I will give to you. There are places we go. There's places that God wants to take us. And while we're doing that, we're going to celebrate. Because that's when joy is fulfilled. That's when joy overflows. That's when joy restores our souls again. Thanks for listening. If you have any questions or you'd like to find out contact information or service times, then don't forget to visit our website, www.thejunctionchurch.com. God bless.